Yeah, it is indeed. And 20 minutes it is before 9 p.m. Uh, Ramasela, let's try again. I certainly hope the gremlins won't hit us this time. I don't know. I just think, you know, the, the telecoms tonight don't want you to be great. No, it doesn't want to cooperate with me. Let's try. Let's try this one. So so I think we were just concluding on the uh, remark you were making that, you know, if there's anything you've learned from your mother in particular, from both of your parents, is this idea of, you know, you've got to manage your costs. You've got to get your margins. You've got to make sure that bottom line looks yeah, you know, correct for every single product in a diverse set of products uh, that uh, you are dealing with. And uh, uh, one would think that that has stood you in good stead alongside some of your training as well. No, it did. It did. I, I had an appreciation of money at a very early age. Um, knowing that it's scarce, but knowing that even better, you can make more out of it. So so that really, really helped. And yes, uh, after that, then, you know, Cooling was a normal one. Mm. I, I I fell in love with accounting, and and I mean I guess it was a continuation of of home home teaching. And, and I used to I mean I remember teachers used to ask me what the profession my parents are in, mm. and, and and when I when I explained to them what they do, and they all look like we want to meet them. I think when you're lying, uh, and 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 my parents will come to school and. You know, <laughs> the teachers will not believe that really uh, the there is uh, public servants mm. and in that. But yeah, it was such a, a a good grounding from from the schools I went to in in Fushanguwe. Mm. Um, so it was it was good. And then from there, I mean, obviously with their financial position at that level, working the way they were working, and they taught me about money. When I was about to finish school, I thought I should be a, a police to serve to save the money. And be a policewoman, and and my mom was not going to have it. Um, but I need to, I need to go and, and study. And money is her problem, not mine. Mm, mm. And, and that, wait, right. then I I did my become at varsity, following the stream. Uh, at, I started at Vista in Mamelodi, uh, and then went to University of Pretoria after my junior degree to, to do CTA and mm. all the honours and did my training at Deloitte Pretoria. And yeah, I guess that was also that was also another way. But mm. you know, I always say when I was in Pretoria I had no idea still or at least I had no idea of the checkered accountant route. I, I knew that I was going to make money, so money will be made at the bank. <laughs> <laughs> and you're gonna end up at a bank somewhere. Yes. Okay. And, and, and that's where I'm going to make money because it, the career was always about money, mm. right? Mm. Um, but you have to make money, and you mustn't apologize about making money. As long as you work hard and you do it, you must do it right. Mm. Mm. And and I, I've known it to be that way. Sure. So you become a CA. You also make a detour into the public service. Just maybe, just briefly dip into that experience for us and what it is that you learned that, in your view, distinguish maybe the role of a you know, a, uh, a, a finance manager or a CFO in the public service as opposed to, say, you know, in your current role now? Other than the thick skin. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it was, I mean, the reason I went to public sector was also being tired of being a you know, bench coach about what, what is wrong with our country, mm. why things are going wrong, and I wanted to, to go to home affairs in particular because my mom... I worked there to, to really, I could not understand why 
it is difficult for, for a department to get a, a unqualified support. And, and that was during those years where home affairs was just couldn't get things right. And, and I thought, I need to go there and fix it. Um, I was not prepared. Nobody gave me one-on-one and say, when you go to public sector, you don't just go there with your degree. Mm. There's a lot you need to take with. And, and I went there. I, I didn't go to home affairs. You know, I went to different departments and, and I had my learning. Listen, uh, listen, it was, it was really root awakening, uh, for me to think that it's all about, you know, controls and credit and credit and you can come and fix things. But, but it really built my character mm. about standing up for what I believe. You know, I always thought I could stand up. But, but it got to a point where it's not just the talk. Um, if you believe in something, you need to stand up for it. Mm. And, mm. and I think now, after I left public sector, the, the day or the year I left pu- public sector, I remember going, it, it was in December and January, I remember you know, going to church and I cried. I cried for my life that the past decade, all that I was doing was, you know, fighting and fighting and fighting. And I, I don't think I was even conscious of what I was doing. Mm. I wanted to fix. And I didn't even calculate the cost that it could have cost my life. Mm. It, it, is, it is no joke. But I didn't care at that, those times. I mean, I'm, I'm sure I've put my family through a lot of help, but but for me was if I'm here, I'm here for a reason, and I will do it. And 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 I guess I had this whole thing that there are people that lost their life fighting for death. And this is if this is my way of you know contributing to South Africa, mm. I will do it. Mm. And and I really was not an accountant. And I think if you go to a, to public service and you think you're going to be that profession. You need to be an all-round. And I think the one place that for me made a biggest mark was mm. the municipality. Because then wow. in that area, I was, I put everything and say, I'm an accountant, I'm a social worker, I'm a, you call it a medical doctor, I'm everything mm. that mm. comes with it. Because you know, you, you need to have the heart where the heart is required mm. and you need to be tough where it is required. And, and and that was the thing. But the best experience was there was also a combination of feeling, or at least I used to convince myself that Ekurulene was such a big municipality and, you know, I... Well, but it is. I mean, surely it is. It is, it is. But I used to say this is like a blue chip. Mm. 40 billion, a 40 billion came over. You don't get that anyway easily. So, and, and, and I, in my head, the, the, the whole view of it was run it like a business mm. where a business minded is required and do the social impact with the social impact, but sure. don't mix the two. Sure. And, sure. and, and that was, that were number of lessons that mm. I've learned and, and learned a lot about myself as well mm. um, during that period. Yeah. And, and I think it prepared me for coming back to, to corporate. You know, Ramasela, I mean, your return to corporate, and a few weeks ago we had wanted to talk to you because 
you know, I, I thought it was a momentous occasion for the firm you lead at the moment, which is Zida. And I've explained the brief history of Zida and from whence it comes within Bala World. But for the first time um, over the last few weeks or so, as you released your trading update for the quarter ending at the end of December, uh, top line revenue up 24%, just over $2 billion. You know, your trading margin or your EBITDA margin sitting at around 38%. You know, your fleet size has gone up. You know, you've got greater utilization. Um, you know, you've seen your, your, your margins coming in even stronger than, uh, you know, pre the pandemic um, as things begin to open up, especially on, on that Avis business. Uh, and also, I guess, in terms of vehicle supply, things are smoothing out a bit as well. You know, the last, I guess, 36 months must have been very difficult uh, from the spinoff from Barlow World uh, to the decision to list or not list. Uh, and then subsequently, you know, how that was resolved to then, of course, face all of the headwinds of the pandemic, uh, cuts in, you know, leisure travel, business travel, which all have impacted your business. Uh, and as my colleague was saying earlier on, also technology, which has meant fewer in-person events, you know, also uh, if you think about the e-hailing services and to what degree that's clawed into your share uh, of, uh, you know, spend by consumers, all of these headwinds, how have you managed to deal with all of this in the last 36 months um, to get to this point now where this maiden guidance that you've given to the market showing uh, a lot of double-digit growth on many of these indicators? Yes, Vida is, is driven by great brand ambassadors. Without them, this will not have been possible. You know, you've, I, I work with a team of people that you know, I normally say to them, and that's mostly what I say, I say, Hatalin Najo, and step with me. And we have the rhythm of what we need to do. So when, when I say to the team, this is the direction we're heading to, and I believe if we hold on, we've done it during COVID, we, we made sure that by the time we, we get Ambanda from Palo World, we show the results. I mean, Zira is 55 years old, and we continuously outperform since 1967, and, and it's, it's been our barometer. And, and, and everybody knows that, especially on the leadership team, that if we work together and we've got a mindset on the goal, we will achieve it. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what I have. I, I have the brilliant team that really support and supported from from the time we did an integrated mobility as to say what is integrated mobility we really transitioned the business from what it used to be ordinarily from a current business just and and with predominantly tourism driven business mm. to diversify it and, and that was the beginning i mean i'll give you an example that again we said in may 2020 we we had a product on subscription where people were not traveling. Mm. And we said, if we don't do it now, so what are we waiting for? What can we still lose now? Everybody's and also, yeah, the risks aren't that big because you don't have a lot of customers that you can make very angry if you, you know, have some teething <laughs> problems. <laughs> and the thing is, everybody is sitting with, with sleep. I mean, there's no mm. other time. You're sitting with sleep, you're sitting with cost, you're sitting with everything. So let's just, Go out there, and mm. and we did. And within a period of three months, we had almost six thousand cars on the road um, for 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 a monthly subscription offering, mm. and, and that was for us. 
sitting with almost 30,000 cars. To have 6,000 cars on the road from not having anything mm. was a really great achievement. And, and then we start saying, one thing we should do is to execute. And we came up with a strategy. And we say we're going to execute and execute fast. And we stopped trying to be big. And, and I said to the team, ours is not about how big you are. It's how financially viable you are. Mm. So mm. any decision that we make, our strategy of really integrated mobility, you know, we say a true north is to make sure that the region that we operate in, I mean, we operate in 11 countries in South Southern Africa, but the region that we operate in, we want to deepen usership economy. And really changing the mindset of you and I that believe owning a car is an asset. But everybody else knows that owning an asset is not a, uh, owning a car is not an asset. Mm. But nonetheless, we still believe that owning a car is an asset. So we really want to get into the heart of, you know, southern African populations plus uh, the West part to say owning a car it has never been an asset. We always say it depreciates the moment you walk out, but you mm, still own it. Mm. The total cost of owning that vehicle, insurance, maintenance, and everything, you name it, compared to using it. And and for us, we really, and you'll see as we go, when we you know, launch a number of things, it's about the leadership economy. For mm. us, it's about how to change the mindset, not just e-hailing, but literally Usership at any day, whether it's for holiday, it's for work, it's for organ. And, and really, the, and, and I mean, this is what you say to the team, and they say, when do you need it? How do you need it? Mm. Let's go. And that is the brand ambassador I'm working with. And I'm so privileged. Those trading margins, I mean, your leasing business. Uh, I like the point you were making earlier about, I guess, you know, how you were able to experiment with subscription. It's one of the areas now, uh, as things start to recover, that has sustained some demand alongside, of course, your other you know, financial offerings, sort of insurance and some of the other things that one gets when they go and hire a card, Avis. Um, but, but I guess on the leasing side of things, I mean, 50% of a, 50% of a trading margin is yeah. no mean feat. Uh, talk to me about the cost side of things. So yes, things are improving. There's more people walking in through the door, more people booking online, more people trying to secure via their workplaces, you know, uh, hired vehicles. Uh, but it's something entirely different to manage all of the costs that come with that when fuel prices are going up, when there's not enough new cars rolling off the lines, where some of your acquisition costs are challenging. You can't also, you know, uh, uh, dispose of some of your other uh, uh, older vehicles as quickly as you might like. How have you managed that part? How have you managed the part of really the cost and maybe sort of cost discipline uh, and managing that? So, so let's look at the leasing business. I mean, this is one area that most people don't know, don't know that we run a, a leasing business with 230,000 fleet under management. And of that leasing fleet, about 17,000 is on our balance sheet. So what do we do? And, and you'll see where the cost really and the management comes in. We manage fleet for OEMs. You know, we do maintenance and services on those vehicles. Mm. And and one thing that, you know, Zida does well, and it's very simple, is that we buy vehicles very well. And we fund them very well. Mm. But importantly, which differentiates us, because funding, you know, anybody can 
Peter's on the funding. I mean, it's a financial institution that can do better funding, sure. uh, financing. But what we do best and where the cost element for both us and our customer comes in is when how we manage the fleet. We take whether any vehicle, we know how much this vehicle that we buy today in three years' time or four years' time, what will be the value, but not just the value as the retail price that everybody but if you manage it well, whether this vehicle is a bike that will be used in the mine or it will be used on the road, we manage it very tight. And, and that really involves cost, making sure that you maintain it on time. You buy in bulk, obviously, and you're able to negotiate good discount when you buy in bulk. But you actually say, you know, if a vehicle is on the road under leasing over three years, you know, this vehicle cannot change tires so many times. Something is wrong. I mean, people, most companies lose money because, you know, people exchange tires. I mean, people will say they exchange tires for current as well. But we know the moment the vehicle comes back mm. that the tires have been changed uh, because if it goes through the thorough inspection, we know that you cannot fix uh, uh, what... Uh, Wind, uh, windscreen, because, you know, people will say this windscreen will cost us this much. We know how much a windscreen of a, for example, a Polavivo will cost you. Mm. And, and any other thing. But those are the costs that are very important. And the wiper blade. Mm. Those are very important because, and we also have a lot of things that we save customers. And when we save customers, we save ourselves. Mm. We, I mean, you can never steal fuel from any of our trucks because we have a big trucking business that we live in. From any our trucks or bikes, because we've got a technology that we have on our trucks and the vehicles that saves customers a lot of money. But those costs then also include sharing. Mm. So as we go through that, I mean, we know in Zida one of the things is about cost cult- uh, containment culture. Whatever, whether COVID, I mean, what we saw with COVID really shook us and really helped us because what it did was we cannot afford to continuously just spend money. Mm. You need to understand everything. So, and, and it's not just for me or the FD or the exclusive. Every brand ambassador knows that when it comes to cost, whatever you do today, it will come back to bite you. Mm. So, and, 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 you know, we actually do it so that everybody can see. And similar to safety, we do it so that everybody can see that as much as we're on the road, because we also drive, chauffeur drive, we drive, you know, a number of archives moving around. So our lives include, you know, ambassadors being on the road. So how do we make sure that everybody is safe? Because damaged cars means also, even if you come back home safe, but you've got a damaged car, that's cost. So it, it takes into consideration everything. And that's what we do in, in cost management across business, whether it's on short-term car rental or leasing business, we're very cost-conscious. Mm, mm. Maybe just the last one, Ramasela, as, as we wrap up. Unfortunately, we have run out of time. And um, it's, it's where does Zida go from here? I mean, I've seen certainly in some of your offerings uh, a deepening of like automation and digitization, anything from sensors, you know, uh, to uh, try and at least gather more data, not just about who is leasing out your car but um, or who is coming to hire your car, but more importantly, how it is that they drive it and to what degree that can contribute to this uh, cost discipline you've been talking about. What are some of the other things down the line that we uh, might anticipate? So, so the key that you will see, I mean, as I, 
I speak about usership economy, and, and some of the things that you will be seeing is alternative financing options that we'll be giving to the market mm. with regard to access to mobility and, and really improving access to mobility. We still say, you know, even with e-hailing, there's still a market gap uh, for for number of uh, people to say, how do you access mobility faster? And really transition from what, you know, a traditional car rental used to be, to be more accessible. So for us, it's to provide accessibility at the right price, but also to be able to have flexibility. Mm. If you want, if you want in, I mean, our subscription model allows you to be in and out. Sure. You buy a car today, you're locked for 32 months, unless if you sell it. But you don't necessarily have to sell the car mm. because then the value will have been... I mean, to come out of a, a car that is a year old might not be cheap. But with alternative financing methods, that's what we bring into the market as to what will be. And, and it's really a matter of time before you see all those products that are coming that... Talk to people that don't want driver's license or don't need driver's license because the days of driver's license, really, everybody has to have a driver's license because we don't have proper transportation. But Zida will provide that mobility that mm. you don't necessarily need to, to have a driver's license or a car. Or you don't it need to be the one driving, right? I mean, you don't need to be yeah. the one driving. Yeah. Yeah. You've got well-trained Avis drivers that will be able to... And, and you've got security. I think one of the things we pride ourselves is the quality of our car, the quality of our drivers, and that you know that mm. anybody, you can go home safe because yeah. safety is our number one priority. Ramasala, we'll have to leave it here for tonight, but uh, it's been a real pleasure catching up with you, notwithstanding all of the big glitches we had at the start. Uh, but all is well, that ends well, and thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much, Ayabanga. Appreciate it. That is Ramasala Kanda, the CEO out at Zida.